So today's our last day of the fall semester in our pursuit of learning to lean, our series this year. And we'll be back in January to start the next phase of our journey. But today we want to um, kind of finish up this little mini-series we've had going. The first four weeks we did the essentials of leaning and kind of just looked at kind of the building blocks that we need to have in place to learn this lifestyle of not leaning on our own understanding uh, and all the ways that we think are the right ways or the ways that we've learned or just unconsciously acquired as having walked through the world. Um, but we want to really be open to having God kind of knock us off our high horse and to open our eyes to our blind spots and to really speak into our lives what it is that is available to us in Christ Jesus. And that is that we really can stop leaning on our own understanding. We really can acknowledge him in all of our ways. And we really can find transformation as we trust him to do that. And Paul has been our example of that. And, um, and so this last four weeks, we've taken, we started off with that statement he made in Philippians 4 about I've learned to be content in all things. We had that first week about just kind of embracing the fact that that's a process and wow wouldn't it be great to feel content in all of our life situations with who we are what's going on in our lives with what's going on with all of our people etc etc and yet I mean I think all of us would be free in admitting that I don't I'm not enjoying contentment to the level I'd like to so then we looked at some of the hindrances to contentment I think we're up to maybe 14 this at the end of this lesson and how we really, we're going to kind of be delving some more on the uh, idea of we have got to be open to having God reveal these blind spots to us and these ways that we're operating. We're really, I mean, it's so often it's not a willful, rebellious choice we're making. It's just the way we've always done it. And to have the light of the Holy Spirit and the light of his word um, to come to bear on our thinking and our feeling and our actions in such a way that we're going oh that's not working well for me I think I'd prefer to do it this way to lean on him to learn contentment no matter what and uh, we kind of hammered that second week on a spirit of offense and entitlement I was didn't feel very popular that week but I've heard that there's been some good (laughs) there's been some good fruit that has come from that I continue to hear testimonies of people going oh man yeah no I I didn't like hearing it but I needed that way more than I thought I did and so I'm I don't know about you but I'm still practicing that one a lot and uh choosing to forgive when offenses do come which Jesus says it's impossible for them not to so I mean this is a lesson that we need to learn if we want to learn contentment right And then last week we took another stab at it, uh, maybe from a little bit less uncomfortable stance. Um, This week I wanted to just leave us with a couple of more thoughts about how we really can get in the position of, um, you know, not just like Paul, we talked about those thorns last week, about those long-standing issues that we don't want and that are very painful. And for Paul, that was going to be a lifetime for him. It, that, that we, we believe that that probably never changed for him. I'm not saying that's the case for all thorns, but, you know, I think it just helps to get it out in the open that 
that's something that we are probably going to all experience at some time or another in our lives. And yet, I want us to not get stuck in the pain of it, but to, like Paul, go, but wait, (laughs) this is the very entry point for and the platform and the and the invitation for us to be able to go wow i am so weak here i have nothing that can change this this is i am powerless and to invite the perfect power of god into that situation i mean that's our opportunity and so much better than just kind of wallowing in how bad it stinks right you know so today let's talk about something that's you know, probably on the continuum, not as painful as a thorn, but maybe, I mean, for me at least, I kind of give the same testimony and the same issue. You know, it's, I have three or four that I keep coming back to because those are my weaknesses, you know, that are just part of my being. And so we're going to talk about weakness today, and we're going to talk about um how kind of continuing on that thought of that his strength, Jesus' strength, he's promised us in 2 Corinthians 12, is made perfect in our weakness. So let's look at one more passage that will kind of help us to access that truth and help us to kind of work it a little bit deeper and from a different angle. Hopefully this is not going to be too much uh, new, new, new stuff. So um, 2 Corinthians 4, 7 through 10, and then verses 16 through 18, I'm using the New Living as our main text today. And it says, God who said, let there be light in the darkness has made this light shine in our hearts so we could know the glory of God that is seen in the face of Jesus Christ. We now have this light shining in our hearts, but we ourselves are like fragile clay jars containing this great treasure. This makes it clear that our great power is from God, not from ourselves. We are pressed on every side by troubles, but we are not crushed. We are perplexed, but not driven to despair. We are hunted down, but never abandoned by God. We get knocked down, but we are not destroyed. Through suffering, our bodies continue to share in the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be seen in our bodies. And then picking up in verse 16, that is why we never give up. Though our bodies are dying, our spirits are being renewed every day. For our present troubles are small and won't last very long, yet they produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them and will last forever. So we don't look at the troubles we can see now. Rather, we fix our gaze on things that cannot be seen. For the things we see now will soon be gone, but the things we cannot see will last forever. So... I feel like that's just got, that's just packed with a lot of strategies for us as we face the reality of our human condition. Part of our humanity, just the reality of being human beings, is that we do have weaknesses that we have to deal with and that we will suffer. That's part of living in in a fallen world. And yet what Paul is saying is there's another way to look at it. There's another way to see it. And if you will step back from the way you either don't understand it or the way you 
think you understand it and see it from the way Jesus sees it, that that will do much to boost your contentment level and will allow you to relax into and lean into the Lord and what his good and perfect um, and pleasing plans are for us. So um, weakness includes these things. It can be an affliction of body. It can be an affliction of soul. You know, it could be an emotional or mental thing. It could be your mental health. It could be um, just a painful situation. It could be fleshly ways that continue to cling. You know, we talked about the old nature and the new nature and how there are going to be remnants of that old nature that and habit patterns and thought structures that are going to continue to want to rise up and to influence us and keep us from that contentment and leaning posture that we're pursuing. And then it could also be inadequacy for any situation at hand. I mean, how many places in your life would you love to fix, but you don't have the tools or the power or the idea or the whatever it is you need? I've got several. I'm sure all of us could say that we have that. And so, um, so we all have that common bond. Uh, there's a book that, I, let's see, what's the name of that book that says, The Universality of Suffering and Sin. You know, and that's what we're talking about here. We all, that's a universal problem of the human condition. And so the thing I want to really ram home today is that though we have weaknesses, though our flesh continues to send those little signals to do it that way, the old way, not not God's way, that that is not our identity, y'all. We are not orphans. We are not losers. We are not, I, I mean, even though I can say at one time I was a miserable sinner, you know, I can say now that my true identity is that I'm a child of God, that I belong to Jesus, that I'm a daughter of the King, that I am the little sister of our elder brother Jesus, that I am a priest in his kingdom. I mean, that my identity is not linked to my old thought patterns or my behaviors for that matter. My identity is established by who God says I am. And so we, we, we don't want to judge ourselves. We talked about judging as being an obstacle to um, contentment. We, if we're judging ourselves and our weaknesses, then we're not going to be able to be content with who we are. Um, and that's and that's huge. We 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 want to um, agree with Jesus. And um, in fact, I love this quote by a guy that was writing for um, Desiring God, Jonathan Parnell. He says, "In God's economy, our weakness is one of our greatest assets." So you heard what he said to Paul last week. Jesus said, "My strength is made perfect in your weakness." That's the very place that he can come in and bring glory, show up for you and bring glory to himself through your life. So um, it's been said, you know, that, that that's the gospel, right? That's the gospel that when, um, says in Paul wrote in Romans, I think it's chapter 5, it is when, while we were yet sinners, I mean, when we were helpless to do anything for ourselves, Christ died for us. Just just that's who he is. 
So let's um, take a moment to kind of do a self-exam around our weakness. Um, where are we, Lord? Would you show us where we are in terms of our willingness to embrace weaknesses? We could be somewhere on the spectrum of just completely rejecting and denying uh, or totally embracing or somewhere in between. Lord, just show us how, how willing we are to embrace that weakness in our lives. And Lord, um, could you show us in this brief moment, what are the reasons why we might be reluctant to be weak? I think some common places that we might all share would be that, you know, that there's an element of shame that we're subject to when we have weakness. Uh, our world does not celebrate weakness, does it? God celebrates it, but our world does not. Um, we could have, we could fear man's opinion. We can, um, we can get frustrated because our weaknesses sometimes block our goals. You know, I'm blocking my own goal because I can't, I don't have what it takes to, to fulfill it. And um, and then maybe just because we don't trust God with it. You know, we just don't have the trust built with him where we've seen him come in and redeem what's broken. Because that's who our redeemer is. He's a, he's a God that makes new things that are broken and weak. So um, those would be some things to, to kind of ponder in your own life. And... But in order for us to deal with our weakness, we've got to be vulnerable and open about it. And thats I'm a big fan of vulnerability. It's something I've discovered in the last, you know, few years of my life. Is it's, a power, it's a really powerful stance to be vulnerable. And, um, and what, I mean, this is kind of Kathy's definition that's cobbled from several definitions I read. And I just wrote that as we are willing to expose ourselves to the risk of rejection or hurt, by admitting our imperfections, struggles, temptations, feelings, and conflicts. Uh, I love this quote. uh, Another Desiring God article, this uh, author is Stephen Lee, wrote, Redemptive vulnerability, a vulnerability that leads to life, is where we share our brokenness to display the surpassing power and sufficiency of Christ. So you can tell old Stephen's been reading Paul, can't you? He, he kind of gets it. He gets that, you know, why would we, because it is so intrinsic to being a human being, like what's the deal? Why are we trying to hide it? Because it's probably going to be exposed eventually anyway, right? We might as well just be open about it because, honestly, if you're vulnerable about, you know, I really stink at this. I really struggle with this. This is a real temptation for me. Then guess what you've just done? You've taken the power out of Satan's hand to accuse you. You've taken the power out of the opinions of man because you've just said up front, this is hard for me. 
you know, then it's not, at the end, they're a jerk if they judge you for it, right? So, I mean, it really does take the sting out of fear of man. If we can just go ahead and say, you know, this is a place that I'm weak. And it, it opens the door to a lot of things. But I want to point out that this is God's way. This doesn't take God by surprise at all. And in fact, he preferentially chooses the weak things to use in his big story. You know, we're a small part of his larger story. And so if you look at the the very most um, profound way he did that is allowing Jesus to become weak. Jesus laid aside, it tells us in Philippians 2, he laid aside all the privileges of being God so that he could take on humanity. And it tells us in Isaiah that he bore our griefs, sicknesses, weaknesses, and distresses, carried our sorrows and pains of punishment, and yet we ignorantly considered him stricken, smitten, and afflicted by God. If we take God's view of that, it's like his very willingness to, to be vulnerable and expose himself to the rejection and the hurt is the very reason why we can stand today and and call him king and lord and redeemer. So that's the way God does business, so to speak. Um, you look at Paul, we see his life story is peppered with, you know, just affliction, weakness, suffering, one after the next. And then I loved, I, I was so fired up by this verse about Abraham. He's one of my favorites because he's the father of our faith, and I think faith is the commodity that is so, is that, y'all, that's our key talking about we have the keys to Zion City we were just singing that song Christ is mine forevermore and the key that we have is to faith have faith that is you know belief in that what God says is true and that trust is even beyond that and that emotional safety that we really do feel safe to believe and relax and lean and rest in what God says and so this is what it says about Abraham talking about weak um, in Romans 4, Paul writing, telling the story of Abraham, Romans four nineteen and 20 from the New Living, said it, it says, And Abraham's faith did not weaken, even though at about 100 years of age, he figured his body was as good as dead. He wasn't just weak, y'all. He was as good as dead, you know. And so, and so was Sarah's womb. Abraham never wavered in believing God's promise. In fact, his faith grew stronger, and in this he brought glory to God. Okay, y'all, think about it. How beautiful is that? How, how, like, let's just get Satan where it hurts is that, is that as we are weaker and weaker and as time goes on and the likelihood seems to diminish in human um opinion that's the very place where we bring the greatest glory to God as we wait as we wait on him in faith as we believe as we rehearse what he said is true as we as we rehearse the promise and then just when you think it's too late it could never happen boom God shows up and does what he said he was going to do that is an amazing way to live and that's what it's like to lean on God and it's you know did 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 Abraham, you know, did he wake up every morning, you know, chanting a praise song of just like total belief that he was going to have a child? No. He, 
his emotions and thoughts wavered, and yet he never let go of the promise. I think that's the point. He never let go of the promise. Even when he wasn't really feeling it, he never let go of it, and he leaned into it above all else. That was the trajectory of his life. And so, you know, that's the thing. One of the advantages of our weakness is that as we embrace it, as we are vulnerable to it, as we admit it, that God has all this opportunity to build our faith. And that's the strength that attracts him and that pleases him. And, and you know, if you think about it, we go, we're really, if we grow strong in faith, we're growing strong in depending on God, leaning on God, letting God be God because we're not. So it's a little bit of a paradox there, but, um, but, you know, as I've said for many years, faith is where it's at. Faith rocks. It's, it is, if you want to focus on something to exercise on while you're waiting on God, that's a good place to focus. Um, and just to see, I've put five advantages here of being weak that are scripturally based. I, I didn't put a scripture with the first one because I like this quote so much, but as we start really tapping into the reality of our human condition and weakness, we begin to see ourselves as God sees us. And, and Scott Hubbard wrote that we are fearfully and wonderfully weak. Can, I mean, that kind of, it, it almost sounds like a mismatch, doesn't it? But that is, I, th- I think that's a pretty accurate theological statement. That's one I want to get good with. Um, it teaches us dependence on Christ's perfect power as we wait on it, as he shows up in perfect power. Um, and Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians 1.9, this is J.B. Phillips' translation, we believe now that we had this experience of coming to the end of our tether that we might learn to trust, not in ourselves, but in God who can raise the dead. And that not that what just a synonym of leaning is trusting? So that these experiences allow us to do the very thing we're pursuing and that allows us to be at peace and at rest and to relax as our circumstances are not what we want them to be. And then knowing Jesus better. I mean, that's kind of like our primary thing way back to week two how Paul said that was his aim, is to know Christ more progressively, more deeply, and more intimately. Well, this is our chance to do that. And we do it by, you know, Jesus shared our sufferings, and therefore we can share his sufferings. It's kind of like we can do suffering together is maybe a way I, I would paraphrase that. And um, Paul writes about that in 2 Corinthians 1.5 and says, Just as we have a share in Christ's many sufferings, so also through Christ we share in God's great help. So it's not just about saying it's awful, it's awful, it's awful. It's also about that. So rejoice, oh my soul, you know, because Christ is mine forevermore. His strength is there every second of every day for the rest of this earthly life. And uh, we will be perfected on the other side. Um, number four in terms of benefits of embracing weakness is that it allows us to really start seeing where are we leaning on things that are weak, things that really can't hold us up, worldly things. And um, 
Jeremiah 2.13 writes about this. It says, uh, my people, God's talking about his people, have abandoned him, the fountain of living water, and they have dug for themselves cracked cisterns that can hold no water at all. Guys, we do this all the time, and I was doing the home, the quote, homework, that we don't have homework, you know, we don't have homework, but I do have personal application questions. So I was doing the personal application questions this week, and I thought, ooh, wow, that was some, you know, let me just say I understand that saying this is my thorn and this is the way I cope with it. Well, this week we're going to have this is my thorn, this is the way I cope with it, this is my weakness, this is the way I cope with it. That that's not, that's not something you're just going to lick in a week. Just because you wrote it on the paper last week doesn't mean it's fixed this week. This is, I, I'm acknowledging that in case anybody missed that. I am not brain dead. I understand it's a process, 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 process. But that, anyway, we do cope in ways that really don't serve us well. And that's kind of the point I'm making is that as we, as we are brave enough to look at these areas that are blind spots, thorns, and weaknesses, and then we see the way that we're dealing with them, we can see that there's probably a better way. There's probably a higher way than some of the ways that we've just always done. So that's the point there. And then um, just embracing our weaknesses and, and taking them to God allows us to receive his supernatural provision. And, y'all, he does that. Sometimes he'll do it directly. I mean, he'll just come on in and answer that prayer, and you'll think, oh, my goodness, God just showed up. That's so, Yay, I'm giving him glory. And sometimes it's not that direct, like, boom, Sometimes he does it by a person. You know, the body of Christ. Um, there's so much I could say about this, and we'll probably dive into this next semester. But in Ephesians 4, 8, uh, Paul wrote, He ascended on high, talking about Jesus, and has led captivity captive. Okay, do you want to circle that one and go, Woohoo! He has led captivity captive and has given gifts to men. So part of the prize of beating Satan and rising and going to heaven and having resurrection power is that for all of us, I think we did this on week one or two, I gave out the blue page about spiritual blessings. We were all, that, that every spiritual blessing of Ephesians 1, 3 is ours in Christ. And Paul goes on to tell us in Ephesians 4 about the specific spiritual gifts that he gives to each individual and that you are you have a piece of Jesus in you that is a unique part of the body that he wants to deploy for his glory. It's like we use that phrase um, that Paul wrote to Timothy last week, that you're a vessel of his glory and you're uniquely gifted to bring a piece of that to the individuals in your life. And so that means that the rest of us get to receive that. Hope that makes sense. Okay, let's do um, another quick listening. Okay, so Lord, would you just highlight for us in these moments the weaknesses that cause us the most distress?
So, Lord, in the places we've written down and the ones that we um, ponder in, in the coming days, Lord, we, we know that there's a lot to be gained from being content. That would just feel amazing. It would be amazing for us and for everybody who lives with us and around us to be content in our weaknesses. Um, Father, we just pray that we would have the courage and the faith now to invite Jesus into those places. And, and so if you're ready to do that, you know, just tell him. Just tell him that right now. Lord, I'm ready for you to come to these places that I've recorded here or that have come to mind. Well, the great news is that he does answer prayer. He hears us. He sees our hearts. He sees the places where we're not ready to let go. And he's willing to work with us in those as well as the ones where we're going, take it away, Jesus, you know, come on. Um, So I'm just going to trust that he's going to make us uh, more and more willing to let him take control. so that's our human condition, and um, I think just we try to create an environment here at Divine Design Discipleship where our groups allow us to be vulnerable about those things, and, and it's just, I hope you find that to be a real place of freedom, that you can just be free to be pro- in process, and that everybody else is in the same boat you're in. So, um so sort of getting that up and out. And then let's talk about, though, our heavenly um, position. I couldn't decide whether to call this section our heavenly position or our heavenly possession because we do kind of have, we don't kind of, we have both. But I decided I landed on position. And um, Paul writes a famous passage that I've used, the message translation, um, talking about um, seeing things from heaven's vantage point. Um, And the message said it, I thought, really well. It says, so if you are serious about living this new resurrection life with Christ, act like it. Pursue the things over which Christ presides. Don't shuffle along, eyes to the ground, absorbed with the things right in front of you. Look up and be alert to what's going on around Christ. That's where the action is. See things from his perspective. Couldn't say that better. I mean, just if we really can do that thing of suspending our own understanding and our own thoughts about a situation and saying, Lord, can you help me to see that from, from, from the way you do, from a higher place? And um, Paul was able to write that because if you'll recall... When we looked last week at that passage he wrote about the thorn in the flesh, it was because of the exceeding revelation that he had received. He was able to, you know, he, he's kind of getting a late start on this. Think about it. You know, he's, here he is. He's, we think he was about Jesus' age, born about the same time as Jesus. And so he is way into his religious faith community journey, persecution, proud know-it-all kind of guy um, he's already like all up in that, and then Jesus, boom! He 
just intervenes right there on the Damascus Road. And so he takes him aside, takes the very thing that he values, that studying the scriptures and what God's revealed about himself in the Old Testament, and then Christ just spoke into that as, as Paul and Jesus got together, as Paul sat at Jesus' feet, as he sat in his presence, as he sat under the um, influence of the Holy Spirit and the power of his um, written word, he was able to, God was able to just reveal truth to him about, like, Paul, you, you used to, remember how you thought this meant that? Well, now, you know, the Holy Spirit is taking the word of God and applying it to his heart, and he's able to see all this from up here, like he's telling us to do. So because that was an exceeding amount of revelation he got. He waited 14 years to write about it, we said. And so, you know, you think, well, wow, you know, I really could be content in my circumstances if I had Jesus talk to me for three straight years. Well, y'all, honestly, I don't know who's got the greater advantage here because I don't know about you, but I've known about Jesus since I was a little bitty girl. And I've been learning Bible verses and sitting under really great biblical teaching for my lifetime. And I've had the, the great joy and life changer of having the Holy Spirit take God's word and apply it in my heart uh, countless number of times. And it is transformative. It is. And so we, too, have the great, great privilege of having that same revelation. It looks different on you than it does on me, than it does on Paul, but y'all, we do have his revelation, and we have access to having him to do that continually, applying his word to our hearts. That's why we just keep taking this layer by layer by layer by layer, because there's more, 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 more for him to apply and more for us to see. And so, you know, we, in order for that to happen, though, we've got to be willing to come into agreement with the way he sees it. We see it the way we see it. We're pretty sure that's right because everybody and everything in life has told us that up until this point. And yet, y'all, are we going to just keep hanging on to that? Or are we going to say, no, Jesus, here this is. This is not working for me. I, I'm not operating in freedom. I'm not operating in contentment. I am dragging you know I feel like I'm walking around dragging a you know what what is this like a kettlebell or something on a chain I don't know what those things were that they used to walk around with in the old days but anyway you know I don't want to drag along a lie that is weighing me down I want to be operating in the freedom of the truth and so we've got to be willing to come into agreement with him and and the truth is here's the truth here's the truth that I really want to drive home and I'm going to give you two passages well, three, to, uh, to say this to you. The scripture tells us that our permanent position is seated with Christ in heaven. That's true of every single person who belongs to Jesus. And here it is right there in Ephesians 2, 6. In the New Living, it tells us that Jesus raised us from the dead or Maybe we should say the Father, God. He raised us from the dead along with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ Jesus. He's not talking about in the sweet by and by. He's talking about today. Your permanent position is in heaven. You're a citizen of heaven, it says elsewhere. And that 
that is your true home. We're aliens in this world, y'all. So just if can you imagine yourself for just a moment just seated right next to the throne of the King, King Jesus? That's the truth. And if you can park yourself there for a minute every morning, and if you can go back to that during the day in your day-to-day, moment-to-moment circumstances, that's going to impact your ability to be content and to lean on God. Um, and the invitation that comes with that is this, is that, I mean, we have direct access to him. He's done all the work for us. We don't have to earn that. It's ours. That's our possession. So we have the position and we have the possession, you know. And so what he says in Ephesians 3.12 is because of Christ and our faith in him, we can now come boldly and confidently into God's presence. And and in some ways, that's even, I mean, I almost feel like that's a redundant statement because we're already there. You know what I'm saying? It's like we really are already there. He's always there. He's never going to leave us and forsake us. So for us to say, Jesus, would you please come into this situation? In some ways, it's like a it's like a redundancy, and yet it makes me feel better to do it, and I think it's fine to do it. So, But anyway, but just to, just to really get a handle on that and to say that here, here's a picture we talked about in our small group last week that I really sat in this week, and I thought, oh, man, this is so good. I've got to share it to the whole group. And that's what it's – it's another invitation. It's the same invitation, but just it's in, recorded in another place. It's in Revelations 4, 1 through 3. And this is the New Living Version. It says, then I looked – and this is John writing. Then I looked, and I saw a door standing open in heaven. Doesn't that picture for you an open invitation? There it is. The door's open to you. Um, I saw a door standing open in heaven, and the same voice I had heard before spoke to me like a trumpet blast. The voice said, come up here, and I will show you what must happen after this. And instantly I was in the spirit, and I saw a throne in heaven, and someone sitting on it, the one sitting on the throne, was as brilliant as gemstones like jasper and cornelian and the glow of an emerald circled his throne like a rainbow. And so that is John getting a glimpse of the heavenly realm. And that is the picture of where we are permanently seated. And that place is our inheritance and our permanent possession. And if we can come up and accept that invitation that Jesus invites us to come on up and see it my way, it's going to impact us. And then as we do likewise, as we reciprocate to Jesus, you know, like if you get invited to a great party at somebody's house, then you kind of want to have a great party at your house and invite, you know, so let's reciprocate this fantastic opportunity right back and say well lord jesus you've invited me to come to you well i invite you to come into this 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 my weakness this weakness this weakness my thorn my circumstances my jealousy my envy my greed whatever it is come you come lord jesus and speak into this have your way here show me my blind spot and so a verse that I've loved for a long time, and, and then when we do that, guess what? That good, acceptable, that good, pleasing, and perfect will, and that thing we sang about is on earth as it is in heaven, y'all. You know how Jesus prayed that and said that's how you should pray? Pray 
thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. It's when we invite Jesus in that that is able to happen. So Psalm 24, 7 and 8 says, open up. That's my word for the week. Open up, ancient gates. Open up, ancient doors, and let the king of glory enter. Who is the king of glory? The Lord, strong and mighty. The Lord, invincible in battle, y'all. That's the way to live in victory. That's the way to live in peace. That's the way to live leaning. That's the way to live content. Is to invite the king of glory, who's invincible and mighty and strong where we're weak. And... So what here I just kind of kind of broke that into pieces for us to, to kind of ponder for a second. So what does that mean? That means to open and lay bare before him every distraction, everything, every other voice, everything that's cluttering your mind and just say, Lord, I'm thinking this, 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 and this. I need to get my pen out and just write down everything I'm thinking and just get it off my get it out of my brain. That's how I do it. Maybe you say it verbally, maybe you do it in a written format. Sometimes I just hit the ground and cry because I just there are no words. But to just to do that. And then to open our hands to him and to let go. Y'all, that's that is the most powerful stance you can take is to just let go because the honest, our human conditions tells us our strength and wisdom aren't enough. And then to open our minds to really hear from him and to believe that his way is perfect and to open our spiritual ears to listen to him because he made that promise that we looked at the very first week proverbs 3 5 and 6 trust in the lord with all your heart lean not to your own understanding so we're letting all that go in all your ways acknowledge him invite him into him and he will make your path straight that's the promise. He will direct your path. And so just to wait upon him in his presence and to ask him to do that. Well, I've been doing that about my thorn, weakness, emotional, physical, spiritual. <laughs> um, I am now, I've gone from giving two-part testimonies to a three-part testimony. <laughs> So I am going to give you the next, I mean, if you want me to, we can just do what they do on Netflix and you can hit the button that says skip intro, you know, I'm going to give, I'm I'm going to kind of make the little uh, lead up to this brief because you've heard it twice already. (laughs) But um, as you all know, I have got bilateral hip arthritis. Um, I'm not proud of that, but it's the truth of my human condition And it has been a thorn for me for the last 10 years, and it is a weakness, and it's a weakness for me in multiple ways. And the neat thing was is that it was the very place that God used, because you've heard the little, the cute little name we use um, in a very um, um, affectionate way about the Lord. He is Jehovah Sneaky. You know, he, he uses things that you think are one thing to get in the door to something else because it's so important to you. So that's what I testified about the first week of the Kathy Yates Girardeau hip saga was that he used my hip arthritis situation to show me my, how 
deeply offended I was at him about aging and how deeply offended I was at him about him letting my mom get dementia. And so I had that whole work to do that week, and I was so shocked to learn that I was offended at God over that. I knew it was incredibly painful. I knew that that was a big place of grief in my life. But God used my hip situation to get me there, and that was a good thing because it was a big blind spot for me. And then last week I shared with you about how it was a thorn, and it was an entry point for me for fear. I had a lot of fear of the future um, based on this hip arthritis diagnosis that I've got, and um, hopefully you're getting the idea of how to process some of your places where you're discontent. It was like I... I was able to see how in some ways I'm content, but then in other ways I'm discontent and talked about how my mom's situation was a thorn and, um, you know, that was still kind of a, a blend of a testimony there between my own physical journey and my mom's journey and how that all impacts me. And then this week I'm going to fast forward to the Scene of the crime, the original scene of the crime happened at Andrews Sports Medicine Clinic back in 2013, <clears throat> and that was when my physician told me that day uh, about I have bilateral hip arthritis and not that sexy diagnosis that I wanted. And, um, and, and the doctor blurted out at me at that moment, and you're probably going to need two hip replacements, and I'm just kind of thinking... There's so much I want to say back to you right now, but I'm going to just choose to keep my mouth shut because I don't think any of it would be very nice or very godly. So I didn't, but I've kind of carried this thing, I think I said, about, you know, kind of having this mindset of, you know what, I think I might just go out of here with the same hips God gave me. That has been my attitude, and y'all, so I was willing to die to running. I was willing to... Uh, pay big bucks for stem cells, but, but I hadn't been willing, you know, to really embrace the reality of my human condition may be that I've got hips that are so weak that I'm going to have to trade them in for some, you know, like, uh, what's that stuff, the titanium hips? Yeah. So I go Thursday. I'm sitting in the waiting room on Thursday. I am listening to a really good book on tape. I'm just like thinking, maybe they won't call me back because this is getting really good. I mean, I was just, I was, I'm kind of, I've discovered books on tape and I'm kind of hooked on them. And um, so I was doing that. I, I was fine. I've been, I got bumped up. I got ahead of, of the line. I'm moving up in the schedule and everything. So I'm thinking, okay, good. I'm here. My 320 appointment. I'm waiting on the doctor and all of a sudden I'm sitting here listening to this book and I pulled a classic waterworks my children's nickname for me I pulled a classic waterworks move I'm sitting there with my little you know buds in my ears and all of a sudden I started crying now thank god it was not the ugly cry that I'm known to do I have done that in public numerous times I'm I pray that none of you have been sitting next to me when I did that, but I have done it many, many a time, and hence the name Waterworks. But all of a sudden, I started having from this really deep place inside of me, these tears started just rolling down my face, and I couldn't get it back. I was, I was just going, 
Jesus, Jesus. And I'm kind of like trying to lean my body this way so that these people over here couldn't see me crying. And I'm di- looking down in my giant person, kind of digging in there, trying to find a Kleenex so that I could, you know, um, see if I could find my composure. And I'm just going, Jesus, what is happening right now? I don't know. Why, why am I crying? I don't know what's wrong. And I just, you know, the only thing I need to do is I had been texting with my prayer partner, and I just said, help, please pray. I am crying, and I can't stop. And I really wasn't sure what that was about at that time, but I knew immediately that I needed to switch over to some praise music. I found my most belligerent against Satan praise song that I know, and I was just, I mean, kind of whisper singing, and uh, those people thought, uh, we thought this was weird before, <laughs> but this woman, I mean, do is she in the wrong clinic? Because, you know. Hopefully they'll call her name really soon because this we're highly uncomfortable right now, you know. So I'm up there doing my whisper praise singing, and it, I'm I'm feeling the prayers, I'm feeling the truth, come to bear on my situation. I got my little Kleenex out, and then I took I lost my little sponge, but I did take my powder and I kind of did my nose and everything. And I thought, okay, 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 I'm just gonna maybe my eyes won't be glassy when I get in there. They call my name, I sat down, and this cute um, young doctor who's a fellow. Um, walked in, not the guy I made the appointment with, and he said, Miss Jurdo, I'm here to examine you, and wow, I, you know, you really don't match the picture I just saw in your x-ray. And I'm thinking, is that good? And he said, oh, yeah, yeah, what kind of exercise do you do? I said, yeah, I'm lifting weights two or three times a week. I'm doing Pilates one day a week. I walk some, I can't walk as good as I used to, but I'm walking some. He goes, that is amazing based on your x-rays. And I'm thinking, quit talking about my x-rays. <laughs> you know, and then he says something else. He says, no, I don't mean to, I don't want to hurt you here, but I'm going to need to move your legs around. Is that okay? And I'm thinking, well, you know, yeah, go ahead. And so he's moving my legs around. And he says, does that hurt? Does that hurt? Does that hurt? And then he did one thing, and, I, and it was like, a, oh, and he goes, okay. You know, he said, wow, you really just don't look or act or exam. I can't believe you're. I can't believe you based on your x-ray. I'm thinking, there he goes again. Quit talking about my x-ray. And so um, he said, yeah, we're going to show you that x-ray. I'm going to get the other, you know, the main doctor. I'm going to go get him. So he walks in. He says, yeah, here you're, you know, really fit and everything. And you ready to get your hips replaced? And I'm going, wait, what did you just say? And he said, yeah, um, let me go get your x-ray. And I'm thinking, okay, here it comes. Da-da-da. You know, drum roll. And he says, you have got on your left side, and the other guy said, are you have any symptoms on your right? And I said, no, just your left. I said, right. He said, that's surprising based on your x-ray. And I'm thinking, okay, here we go. And so the other doctor comes in, and he said, here's your x-ray. And he goes, you have got severe, extremely severe arthritis on your left, but you're right on your right side where you're having no symptoms. You have got severe extremely severe arthritis and I'm going so are you ready to get both of your hips replaced and I'm going oh no no I mean I am not saying that to him but I mean it was like he had just taken a thing of cold water and just gone in my face because I was just in complete and utter shock I'm thinking I'm good on my right I'm good you know I'm just going to get this over with and then we'll be good and so now I've, I'm on the schedule for two hip replacements, y'all. And so why am I telling you that? Well, I'm telling you that because 
there's several things to be gained from that story. One is, why would I be sitting in the writing room with tears running down my face and me not knowing why? Well, maybe I, maybe I wasn't leaning on God in that area. Maybe I was believing something that wasn't consistent with God's truth. Maybe there was something in my past that was keeping me from really opening my hands to God about whatever they said to me in that doctor's office. You think maybe? Yes. And so what the Lord showed me, I mean, I felt really kind of hungover. Honestly, the next day I felt like an emotional hangover. I got up and I said, Lord, you, we have got to please calm and give me the revelation I need. What is going on? And I'm just so grateful that I, first of all, that I'm able to cry like that. There was a time in my life when I was so um, motivated to be in control of everything in my life that all I could get in touch with was numbness. I didn't feel because I flipped that switch a long time ago. That's too painful. I'm not doing that. I'm just going to motor on and do my thing. And then when that didn't work, I could feel angry. Those were the two two gears I had emotionally. Now I'm, I really have such a deep trust relationship with the Lord, and I really have learned that vulnerability is redemptive, that he's able to just go straight to the heart of a matter and show me you're not okay right here. And so what he showed me about that crying was that I was ashamed. The predominant feeling I felt was shame. And let me just tell you what I did to kind of get there. I used this healing prayer model that I've spoken of many years now, but it's on your personal application thing. Don't look at it right now, but I'll tell you what it is. It's a very simple prayer model. But what you do is you identify your predominant emotion or your top, whichever, what feelings you're feeling. I'm going, Lord, what was that feeling? He said, shame. I felt like he identified shame. And it was like, hmm. And then I realized, oh, I thought if I just tried hard enough. I've been trying, talking about extreme. I have tried extremely hard in the last 10 years to avoid help replacement. And I felt shame that I hadn't done enough. So that is what was coming up, is that shame I was feeling that I had failed. And then, so that was my predominant emotion. Secondly, I um, asked the Lord, I said, Lord, could you give me a picture or a memory or, you know, in a predominant environment, some idea of where this got in? What, you know, what do you want to show me about that so that you can do a, that redemptive work we were talking about? And what he showed me was a prevailing environment. Now, this is... Think about just kind of your, the climate in your home, the messages that were sent out over the airwaves that maybe nobody said out loud. Maybe they said them or maybe they didn't, but you came to understand them. And the message that I received from my parents was, both of my parents, was that it wasn't okay for me to feel anything painful or disappointing. They wanted to protect me from every bit of that. And, y'all, I know they meant that for my welfare, but it was no favor to me because, yeah. So I I remember feeling a little smothered by my parents, and yet I knew they loved me. So so I asked, so this you, you identify the emotion, you ask for a picture or a memory, and God showed me that. And then I said, ask the question, which is a third part of the prayer model, Lord, what 
message or messages did I come to believe from that environment? And here's what I wrote. It's not okay for me to be disappointed. It's not my place to endure or bear hardship. Where is that in the Bible? Um, See that I should expect someone to come and rescue me and fix it. Because that's what my parents always did. And then D, if disappointment makes its way to me, there has been a huge mistake made. Those were all the things I come to believe the Lord showed me. And, uh, you know, guess who the bad, the, per, the bad person was in this scenario was me. I had made a huge mistake um, by running too much, by whatever it is I did to line up for two new hips. And then the truth, Lord, what's the truth? That's the, the fourth part of this prayer, simple, simple prayer model. And I said, Lord, what is the truth? And the Lord showed me that I had a false identity. I had a false identity that had been developed. My, my dad called me Little Doll. That was his name for me. And Little Doll, you know, that little false identity, my false self that developed was privileged and entitled and immune from hardship, weakness, pain. And, y'all, that's just, that wasn't serving me very well at all. Here's the thing is that you can have something like that operating way back here, and I could tell you every Bible verse. I mean, I could tell you a ton of Bible verses to, to tell you that thing that you're believing right there, that's not true, that's not true. Here's like 1,700 Bible verses to tell you that's not true, and yet I was operating as if it were true emotionally, you know, subterranean message that was just constantly piping out into my being. And so that huge lie slipped past me, and um, I was able to just go, oh, my goodness, God, that's like, ugh, that's so easy to let go of because I know it's not the truth, and I want to be free. So I was able to let go of it, and I was just I, I, part of I've got a booklet that I'll try to order one for everybody, but I couldn't find it on the Internet this week. Stephanie, did you bring yours? If you'll find it and hold it up, because some of y'all may have one. But anyway, in that book, it goes on to give you some further little prayer strategies. And one of the things they say is, if you are gonna, if you give this to Jesus, ask him if there's something he wants to give you in return. So Stephanie's going to hold it up, and it's called Inner Healing Workbook. Uh, a, a branch of the Navigators puts this out. And like I said, I'm going to have to work a little bit to find us some of these. But... We've also got it written down on a worksheet on the web, so uh, I think that was, I'll find that for us and send that out as well. But, so what do you want to give me in return, Jesus? And the picture I had in my mind when I asked him that was, on Halloween I had been at the gym, and there were these two girls coming down the steps as I was coming up, and they were dressed like Wonder Woman. And I went, that's so cute. And they said, thanks, you know. And they had their little had their little gold headbands on and their little blue and red outfit and everything. And it was like the Lord said, that's what you've been trying to be, Kathy. You've been trying to be Wonder Woman. You, you, you can take that outfit off now. And I went, I like it, Jesus. I like that a lot. And, um, and then, you know, I'm able to just now say, bring it on, Lord. The lady in the office told me, she said, you know, the first available is in March. So I'm signed up to get my left one done in March. And then 
my second one done in May. She said, but we have cancellations. Would you be interested? So now I'm recruiting everybody I know. I'm recruiting each person in this room, each person under the sound of my voice. If you're listening to this on the web, pray that I can get my first one done at Christmas, my second one done on spring break, and I'll be ready to go come June. But I also, with with in the spirit of open hands, there's a verse in um, Psalm 31 that says, my times are in his hand. So if God wants me to do March and May, I'm perfectly great with that. But I have moved that quickly to the place of being ready. To, I'm ready. I'm ready. And um, and that when, we're, when we are able to do that, here's what we can all believe in our own thorns, in our own weaknesses, in our own places of vulnerability. Ephesians 3.20, glory be to God, who by his mighty power at work within us is able to do far more than we could ever dare to ask or even dream of, infinitely beyond, beyond pardon me, our highest prayers, desires, thoughts, or hopes. So let's just ask the Lord to do that in our situations, and we'll write on one thing. Jesus, um, Lord, we just ask that you'd help us to face the reality of our human condition. Lord, that we are going to have weaknesses till the day we die, that we are going to have places where we suffer hardship. We're going to have places where we're vulnerable. We're vulnerable to people rejecting us and being hurt and the pain of all varieties, whether it be spiritual, mental, emotional, physical, or just lack in some area, Father, that we don't have enough um, in, within ourselves of what it takes. But, Lord, we know that you're the mighty warrior king. You're the king of glory. And, Lord, we want to open our hearts and minds to you and your perfect power, your will that is good, acceptable, and perfect. Lord, we want to invite your will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. And we ask you to renew our minds in such a way that we really could come on up higher and see it the way you see it, Lord. Would you help us to do that? Would you give us your vantage point and your view and perspective on our circumstances? And, Father, would you help us to see it when you do come with your strength and when you do come with your power and when you do come and show up and bring glory in our lives that we are part of your story and that you're using our little bitty lives, our little earthen vessels, our little treasures and jars of clay, Lord, for your glory, and that these things that we're enduring now, really, in light of eternity, are not going to last very long, and that you are going to, in the midst of those things, while we're on this side, Lord, you're going to do exceeding abundantly, more than we could ever hope to ask or think. And so we ask, would you do that? for each person who's listening this morning and in the future. Father, would you come and be the king of glory? And so we invite you in right now, Lord, say we trust you, we trust you, we trust you, and we want to lean on you even more, Lord. Give us that contentment. Teach it to us, Lord. And we just ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.